from the heart of Dubai, where tomorrow is being built today to the world. Welcome to the CTO Show with Mehmet. Here, we redefine technology and reimagine possibilities. With Mehmet, delve into the riveting realms of AI, cybersecurity, and digital technology. Experience the thrilling highs and lows of startups. Immerse yourself in the spirit of entrepreneurship and witness the future of business innovation being written in real time. Now, without further ado, let's tune in and explore the future. Hello and welcome back to a new episode of CTO Show with Mehmet. Today, I'm very pleased to have with me live from Italy. It's not live, it's recorded, <laughs> but I get used to say that. Christine, um, thank you very much for being on the show. The way I like to do it, I like the guests to introduce themselves, tell us about what they do. I think it's the better or the best thing, um, you know, someone to talk about themselves. So the floor is yours. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. And yeah, I mean, you have me live here, even if it's when the people are listening, it's a recording. So I understand. Yes. We have live with you. <laughs> um, so like you just said, I'm Christine. Um, I'm based in Italy now, but I'm originally from Germany. It's been a long time, uh, more than wanted maybe, even in the UK uh, before I moved to Sweden and then um, to Italy. So I have been around a bit. And my background is actually marketing and advertising. And I've done that more than a decade before I decided that it's not fulfilling enough anymore for me. I wanted to do something else that's impacting really people um, and seeing progress and stuff. And that's um, how it happened that I became an entrepreneur, but I never wanted actually in my own business, but we can talk about that a bit later. Um, and I call myself now the marketing and creative startup coach. And I'm supporting with my Creative Startup Academy entrepreneurs, mainly service-based solopreneurs in the first three years um, with starting out marketing and the health and well-being. More or less, that's me with a unicorn that's called Gavin. And <laughs> Good, good. Good to know all this. And thank you again for being on the show here today, Christine. Let's start actually by, you know, uh, talking a little bit about entrepreneurship, right? Uh, maybe it's something, um, you know, we discussed here a lot, but I would like always to hear different topics. And the reason is everyone, you know, he or will she be, you know, facing different challenges. And I'm sure like us, every one of us also uh, face different challenges. So let's start from here. Um, the basic thing in entrepreneurship is to have an idea, right? So let's discuss, you know, the process of validating a business idea and how to ensure that it has a potential. Yes, it is a very good question. And so many ideas are not going to be put into practice because also people are sometimes hesitant or they don't know. And so many ideas don't even go to the market because they don't have potential or they they fail in the first uh, two years or whatever. There's all these kind of statistics. Um, maybe I would like to give some insight also how to generate some ideas first, because sometimes people say, oh, I really want to start something, but I don't know what. Or someone has an idea, but don't know how. So there's like two scenarios. Um, maybe we talk about how to generate ideas. And 
I would say, first thing is, if you're brainstorming things, you should empty your head and you should be really think nothing is too crazy. Yeah. And, and we need to realize that most things already exist in the world in one way or the other. But for sure, the problem that you will solve, which is mainly what this is about in a second, there's already an alternative how people solve the problem. But you might be able to solve it better or in a more cost-efficient way or anything like that. So creating ideas, I would always look into all the things that really interest you that light up the fire inside you and all the things that you're good at and the skills that you have. So and when I mean by skills, I mean also certifications, software that you know how to use it. So really the practical things. And I always tell people, list everything and then mix and match and see what comes up. Because maybe someone says, oh, the things I really love doing is taking a bath. And that might now sound a bit strange. Okay, so what does it have to do with business idea? And then maybe they say, I'm really good at listening and I really love helping people. So maybe they become the first um, therapist in a jacuzzi, you know, <laughs> you never know. And there's, I mean, so many ideas that you can come up with. And like I say, when it's at the idea stage to create the ideas and to brainstorm, nothing is too crazy. But how, and that's coming back to your question, is how do I actually validate that this is probably going to work okay yeah. there's many factors on why it might not work and why it might work especially if you have things happening in the world um that are unexpected i mean we had a pandemic that no one expected lots of people lost their business lots of people had to pivot and for lots of people it was an opportunity so it's not just up to you and your skills and who you are and how you are and how you handle your business it's also up to what's happening outside. So these are the first thing to acknowledge, of course, to know, okay, there might be always a chance that it's not working, but this is about taking risks. And we can talk about minimizing those risks and also my journey to minimize becoming an entrepreneur afterwards if you want to. Um, so doing your homework is really important before you start. However, I would also always say, start before you're ready because sometimes people start something because they have told yeah. you but what does it mean to feel ready we never probably feel ready um, uh, and i can always say uh, if people want children uh, and they want to wait until they're ready you probably never have children <laughs> <laughs> so that's similar because in, in one way or the other your business is your child in the end um because it's born out of your head instead of other parts <laughs> And you need to do your homework. You need to do some market research, okay? It doesn't mean you have to create a 150-page business plan. That you have to do if you want to look for investors and things like that. That's a different thing. But it, just to check if your idea actually has potential, do your homework by um, launching minimum viable products to test things just like steps and things get testers and even if it's about launching an online course or whatever get testers in get feedback and then make it better and that also already helps you to have testimonials once you launch of course but even before that you need to look into what's already out there and mm -hmm. that there's probably already competitors direct, indirect, if you want. So there's always, if someone tells me there's no competitors, I'm just laughing because it's not true. You have 
always, even an indirect competitor that is solving the same problem that you will solve in another way. But like I mentioned at the beginning, maybe they do it in another way and maybe you do it in a better way. And that's okay. So for sure, look at your competitors because that can also give you some insight what works, what doesn't work. It will give you some inspiration on how you can maybe use things they have used in your own way, uh, what platforms to use, what social media to use. So even already when you do this competitor research, you get so many ideas for also your marketing and your tone of voice and what people ask. And that's the next thing. Of course, you need to search for who you want you to be your ideal client, as they say. And you yeah. need to check out what they're looking for, what kind of questions do they ask, what's already out there, why, why are they not happy with another pro project, why are they happy with another project. And this way you can really learn a lot. And then the last thing is, of course, um, an ideal client. I can talk about this for, for, for an whole hour, but I won't, but I just want to throw it in. And the last thing is, of course, looking at the market itself and where the trend is going. Okay, so if everything is going online and everything is artificial intelligence and all of that, there's probably for some stuff not the need anymore in the future. And that will increase the risk of not working or not working well enough. Um, and then you can also use all of this research that you've done and all the statistics that you actually found out. How many people are there actually potentially that want to buy my product? If that's actually financially um, sustainable as well. So one thing is, okay, this idea will work, but does, will it work enough for that, what I want to achieve? And again, there, it's always a question, what do you want to achieve with your business? So I'm not talking about the impact socially in a community or something that's always great. Um, it's more for yourself, okay? How much money do you actually need to pay the bills for the business and for yourself? And do you want to grow that into a bigger company um, with employees? Do you want to stay a solopreneur? What does that mean? And is there a potential for that? And then you go out with a minimum viable product. So that's a, sh a short-ish answer, even though quite long. No, it's, it's actually, you shed a lot of light on, on, you know, the journey. And the reason I love to ask always this question in different ways is because I like to hear the feedback from different thought leaders, from different uh, coaches like yourself, Christine, who you, you help, you know, entrepreneurs. And, you know, the common answer that always comes is you need to know your purpose. I mean, why you are starting this business or this idea in the first place? And there's no shame of saying, yeah, I want to make money, right? Because everyone wants to make money. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, so, you know, and one of the things that um, I think we should accept, uh, if you are passionate about the idea and, you know, your passion is to live a nice life, a good lifestyle, so pursue that, there's nothing wrong. Now, you mentioned something about uh, the risks, right? So can you elaborate a little bit more? And you said like you can share from your own experience as well. So what you can tell us about the risks? Yes. Um, I mean, we are all probably in that space are always interested in what kind of magazines and TV shows that are out there, like Dragon's Den, uh, Shark Tank, whatever. Depends on which country you are, they call it like this. And a lot of, most entrepreneurs I've worked with and I know have seen those um, episodes. 
And in there, I think there's always this, oh, you have to, you have to give everything up that you're doing and just focus on that, what you want to do. Um, and basically they want to see you really a lot in debt because you gave up everything in your life and you, you sold everything and you were almost living on the street to make this work. And then they think that's how you show your passion. And I completely disagree with that, I have to say. I think everything is good, your purpose and your passion, but you should not put your life at risk by starting a business. Um, and you might use up all your savings. I've done that as well. I talk about it in a second and things like that. However, you always should have a backup plan and always set yourself also a, a trial um, period to see if it actually works. And if you figure out it didn't work in that time, adjust and try new or give, give up on it. There's no shame in giving up on business ideas either and maybe start something else in the future. Um, so minimizing risk for me is, is especially what I mean by that is um, with everything that we mentioned for the business idea, but um, for your personal life and for your existence and be able to pay the bills and to be able to have food, I would start slow. And I'm not a massive fan of um, a side hassle and burning yourself out because that's what I went through basically. However, that's maybe how it needs to be at the beginning. You need to have maybe another job whilst you start your business and not just quit everything and then try to make everything work. And then uh, you figure out after a year, oh, now I can't pay my bills, but I don't have enough time um, that will support me. So the way it worked for me, I had a full-time job. And actually, I was working in a job where I worked minimum 12 hours a day. Um, mm. And then I started my own thing. So that meant if I had lunch, I worked at lunchtime. I worked in the evenings when I came home and I worked in on the weekends um, on my own business to get started with. And I did that for a while, um, for more than half a year before I then had actually, I had some clients, but not enough to pay everything. Um, I lived in the UK then. There's maybe some cheaper way, um, countries, of course, to live in, but I lived in the UK and um, it was not enough to pay the bills. So I then moved, um, was lucky enough to actually find a part-time job where I worked three days a week. And then I, all of a sudden I freed up some days during the week to be able to work on my business. And that job was actually a nine months maternity cover. And I thought, okay, that gives me a deadline of nine months and I can really do this. Um, so that I knew, okay, at the end of the nine months, I need to be ready to sustain this business and just do that. And towards the end of the nine months, I was really scared because it wasn't, I didn't have enough. And I was like, how is that even possible? Um, but it all worked out in the end, just in the last months of that job, when we leaving that job, uh, it all worked out. And I got some new contracts in also with universities and stuff like that to continue working there with startups, uh, students and things like that. So all of a sudden I did have regular income plus additional income from other clients that were enabled me to do this full time. However, it took me one and a half years to get there. And I think that's okay. It was a very difficult time. It was very stressful. However, that is what it might take from a financial point of view to get there. I also used up all my savings that I had. Wasn't much anyway in the UK. <laughs> um, uh, but that's okay. I did that. <clears throat> and there was still time from time to time 
times where I wasn't sure, God, will I have enough money to pay the rent next month? But it always worked out and I had a basis at least. And I think that's what I mean by minimizing risk for yourself. And if you have a family, even more so. For me, I was a single person back then. It, it didn't matter. But if you have a family to look after and be part of, then um, you should even be more aware of that. Yeah, great. So, and I think now part of what you do, Christine, is like you you help fellow entrepreneurs in 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 this, right? Yeah, exactly. So basically, I have three pillars in my Creative Startup Academy. One is the starting out bit because when we're starting out. We're like a sponge. I have not met any entrepreneur that hasn't been like this at the beginning. You try to attend, you try to attend any um, free webinar. You sign up for every freebie. You try to learn everything because you have to at the beginning. You didn't know about accounting maybe before or marketing or sales or creating a, or thinking about creating a website and social media and all of these things. And we, we are all eager to learn that and we, Take it in like a sponge. We soak up everything. However, um, most of the information is useless at that point. It's okay because everyone will go through that phase and I'm not saying don't do that, but it's useless because you will not need it at that point in time. Um, so I would say you need to focus on one step at a time. What's really important next? And this is what I do in my academy with the starting out pillar. Then uh, a year or two in, Usually people want to take their marketing a bit more serious and they want to come up with a marketing plan, but they don't have a lot of um, money or not maybe too much. Uh, yeah, they have time, but not a lot of money to spend. So I focus really on low and no cost marketing strategies and how they can implement them. And then the last pillar would be the health and well-being pillar because we as entrepreneurs, we love what we do and we burn out slowly without realizing, I think, because it's really difficult to switch off and to separate your personal life from your business life because it all melts into one, but you have to do that. And I um, support people with that as well. That's great. Now, while, you know, preparing for the episode, I, I went, uh, you know, through the, your biography and I found out because I, you know, before jumping to something else regarding moving to the marketing and to the um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, mental health and all this well-being. Um, so you wrote a book about productivity formula. Can you share the formula with us? Yes, of course. I'm more than happy to do that. So uh, like you just mentioned, uh, so the productivity formula is one of the formulas that I um, developed actually because um, I'm I'm a bit obsessed with writing books. I wrote about twenty books, <laughs> wow. and I love I love working um, with acronyms. And I never wanted to write anything about um, productivity. I have to tell you because there's so many books out there that are so good um, that I thought there's no point in me writing something about productivity. Then on the other hand, everyone uh, that I worked with and everyone that knows me said, Christine, you are the most um, productive person that we know. <laughs> so um, we need you to write something about productivity. So, so many people said that. So I did. And the productivity formula, like I just mentioned, is based on an acronym. And the mm -hmm. acronym is called OUTPUT. Okay. And it stands for um, 
it's, it's six steps, therefore. So the O is for observing yourself because you need to actually know how you're working and what you're doing at the moment, what distracting you at the moment and so on before you actually can improve anything. Before you become more productive, you have to observe yourself and see what's happening. The second step, the you, and I'll put is unbox your motivation. So you need to know what actually motivates you to, to get there and to keep going and to not procrastinate, um, even with the tasks that you don't like. And there are <laughs> every single entrepreneur that you don't like. And some of them you might be able to outsource, some of them you're not. Um, the, the T in output is tackle your distractions. So again, you will have observed what's actually distracting you. Now you need to look into how can you minimize those distractions. And that means maybe simple things like putting your phone in airplane mode. Um, maybe use an, an online app that blocks you from going onto social media because we all know once we're in that real or short trap, we're there. And or on YouTube and you see one kitten video, even though you wanted to check something on business, you are trapped and they're made for that. Yeah, so, but you need to be aware of those. The P in output is program your mind. And that's all about um, having the right mindset for being productive, thinking about goal setting and thinking, okay, do I actually need to do that? Don't I have to do that? Because I'm a massive fan of to-do lists, but I actually have three lists. I have a to-do list that will never be empty. As an entrepreneur, a to-do list is never empty. But then I create a today list that will be empty at the end of the day. But I also am a massive fan of having a not to-do list. Things that you really don't have to do. Um, simple, ask yourself the question, what happens if I don't do this? And if the answer is nothing will happen, I would actually cross it off the list. If it doesn't make any difference to you or to your business, why do it? Um, mm -hmm. Then the you in output is utilize the tools. And there actually in the book, I go into a lot of tools that you can use um, some, some lists that I created, templates, um, as well as apps that you can use. Uh, and then the T, and, sorry, the T is about to be continued. And in, in that, we actually look into how you can actually ensure you are staying productive. Um, how can you create habits out of things and how can you stay motivated for the things that you're doing? And that's basically the productivity formula in short. <laughs> I, I, I loved it. And you know, you, 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 I can say you group them in a very, you know, sequential and, you know, um, logical way. And regarding, you know, just as a comment about, you know, you said, this is what these apps and social media are supposed to do. So my advice, if someone is curious how these apps and, you know, websites and uh, social media works to read the book hook, uh, by near, uh, uh, Iron, yeah. So, uh, so the book hooked will explain to you exactly how these, um, applications are designed. So you will understand you. why, why, why you come back to the rabbit hole, I would say. Um, yeah, so, so it's, it's great now. Just one thing, um, you, we talked about entrepreneurs, right? And now okay. we are seeing more solopreneurs. So yes. first, are these guys' tasks more difficult than entrepreneurs? And why are we seeing more and more people going solo? 
Um, yeah, so good question. And I, I completely agree that the, the term, there was a startups and entrepreneurs that always had a co-founder and always build companies where they get investment and stuff like that. And it goes more and more into solopreneurs. I think one of the reasons is that um, it's easier. <laughs> it, it is easier to set up uh, your own thing when you're by yourself. That doesn't keep you from collaborating and it doesn't keep you from outsourcing. Um, going all online during the pandemic also has helped, I think, a lot uh, with that. And also this uh, globalization that everyone doesn't like has, of course, good things that come with it. Um, and that means you find people, um, well, the bad thing is you find too many people that can help you with something that you can outsource to. And then it might be really difficult to 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 know who to choose because you you will read something, you will hear something, you will sign up to something because there was ads and you get bombarded with these things and subconsciously you think, okay, I'm going to go with that person. Personally, I only always go by recommendation when I outsource something. Um, so being a solopreneur from a legal perspective and um, also from a productivity level and from getting things done will be much easier than being in the teams because it's you who makes the decision it's your way if you start um, working with other people um, then it will be all much longer and also there I speak from experience I love collaborating with people I've done life trainings together with people I wrote I'm co-writing a book with someone at the moment um, but I can see how it takes at least three or four times longer than it would take when I do it. Um, and I think some people also shy away from um, employing people, which I understand because there's a whole lot of tax and uh, reasons and responsibility behind it that a lot of people shy away from. And again, you don't necessarily have to um, because you can outsource. Okay, I have a strategic person I work with. I have a digital agency that I work with. I have a VA that I work with. And I have someone else that's um, supporting me with my LinkedIn, for example. So I have, I'm outsourcing to four different things. But for me, it's the same thing. Even though I have a company, so a registered, like say, it's like a limited company, but it, mm -hmm. in countries called in a different way. I would probably not want to employ people and grow in that kind of way. I, I don't mind outsourcing things and having community managers and things like that. But I wouldn't want to outsource things just to keep it simple from a legal perspective, but also to keep it simple from processes. Mm -hmm. And I think if you have processes in place um, and proper briefings and guidelines for all, everyone and, and you start getting used to each other with the other person, then it becomes easy and you are acting like a team um, from the same company, um, but you're not actually. Hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, from experience, I say, you know, some people, they like independence, right? And they don't like, you know, to be sharing their destiny with other people, maybe. A uh, couple of, of uh, feedbacks I, I received from friends who did that. Another one is, as you said, you know, some people, they say, I, can, I don't like to manage people or in a sense that they are directly reporting to me and establishing, you know, as you said, these processes. Um, the other thing, which I also I agree with you on, it's like the pandemic showed people like, yeah, I can do the things the way I want, the time I want, and uh, 
you know, if I have, let's say 10 clients per quarter, you know, that's more than enough for me. And, you know, mm -hmm. this is a lifestyle that I want to live. So why, you know, go into the corporate and, you know, raise money for the company and do this. So yeah, like it, it depends, like there's no uh, right or wrong answer. I would say here in my opinion, a hundred percent. Now let's shift gear a little bit to marketing, right? So, and this is something, honestly, Christine, I, I, um, I started to see more and more and, uh, for, in my opinion, um, it's, it's for the good, but again, I like to ask the experts here and I'm asking you about, you know, the concept of low and no cost marketing strategies mm -hmm. and how you have seen them effective for startups. Yeah. Um, very good question. And I think, uh, they can be very effective. It de always depends on the person and what that person is doing or that startup or that solopreneur. Let's say, uh, let's call them an entrepreneur and yeah. also freelancers and things like that. Um, so yeah, first thing, of course, a lot of people don't have a lot of money and that means even, um, and I put that in air quotes for everyone that's just listening, but not seeing, um, just 500 euros, pounds, dollars a month, whatever, is maybe too much, especially if you're in the first three years, because what you do first is you try to get money in to cover all the costs and maybe to grow a bit and maybe to outsource something, maybe to, to buy a new software that makes things easier um, and, and for that kind of reason. And then um, you might think about marketing. So for most people, also marketing is not the first thing on their list. But it should be, I think, because what marketing is, is telling people what you're doing. And if you're not telling people what you're doing, no one will know and no one will buy what you're offering. So I think that's the first thing to get clear in the head. A lot of people shy away from marketing, rightly so, because it's a big topic that you not just learn like in accounting. You understand how yeah. accounting keeping works. It's something that constantly evolves, that needs an innovative mind, and you try over and over new things and you need to set goals and then you need to test and you need to adjust. So there's also a lot of work involved and that's also why people won't do so much. Um, when it comes to if it costs money or not, or if it costs just a little bit of money, but not too much, I would think you can have pretty much the same impact, again, depending a bit on the what that person is offering. However, generically speaking, I would say if you spend time on things and do it well, you can have the same impact than when you put money into that. Now, I have tested that myself with all kinds of things because marketing is always a bit trial and error. Of course, you should minimize, again, the risk there and do your market research and go where your target audience is and actually use things that you are comfortable with using first and get something right before you move on to the next thing. So what I see often is people just spend a lot of money also on um, ads on social media, for example. Oh yeah. If I can, if I spend, if, if I just boost a post for five to 10 euros, uh, then uh, it tells me I get 3000 views. Okay. But what's happening after that? So first thing is of course, having all the backup set up, the user journey. What do the people that see you on social media, if we speak with that medium, what should they do and how how will you take on their journey afterwards? Because there's no point boosting a post and then there's nothing to do for them and there's nothing, nowhere to go for them and then, and so on. Um, however, there's so many things um, where you can find 
um, cost-effective alternatives also. So if we're talking about email marketing, a lot of times there's, okay, this is free, but only for so many emails or only for so many subscribers. And then all of a sudden the costs explode and you, and you, and still they might not convert all, but all of a sudden you have 2000 subscribers and all of a sudden you have a lot of costs that you handle. So I'm, I'm a massive fan of finding software deals or software where you can buy lifetime access and without basically any limitations. And then you go into that. So that's something that I always recommend if you're looking at the software kind of bit. Um, the number one thing every single person, in my opinion, needs to do if they want to have their own business, if they're an entrepreneur, the one thing, if someone would ask me that they should do is networking because, mm. um, your, they say, your network is your net worth. But it's really true. I, it's overused, but I throw it in there anyway. Um, and for so many reasons, support for yourself, ideas for yourself, bouncing off ideas, maybe a shoulder to cry on. Because we all know if you're not born in an entrepreneurial family, your family or friends that are not entrepreneurs will not understand your challenges. But fellow entrepreneurs will. And it's also good to be true and ask for help and see what they say, or maybe just shout and cry. <laughs> um, but also, of course, for finding collaborating partners for other projects that you might want to do together to tap into their network. Plus, of course, in the end, for referrals or finding clients. Um, so that would be my number one thing. And that doesn't necessarily, has, um, you don't necessarily have to pay. There's obviously yes. working events that you can pay for. And there's networking groups that you can be part of that you pay for an annual fee, but that's minimal compared to what you would have to spend on um, Facebook, Instagram ads, for example. You don't even have to start less than 600 a month. And that probably doesn't get you anywhere <laughs> because people buy from people that they know and that they can trust, especially if you're coaching, consulting, or offering any service-based businesses, people need to get to know you. Right, right. Um... You know, I see this uh, mistake a lot uh, where people, actually I did it. I did it also a couple of weeks back, although like I knew, I knew it was wrong. So I relied a little bit on LinkedIn ads, for example, um, and Google ads. And I knew that I said, okay, maybe things change, but it didn't. Um, and the best thing that... Um, Work with me is, as you said, like network. Um, and I think, I will, and this would be my other question to you. What about also trying to build a personal brand? How important is that? Extremely important. <laughs> because, um, so, I mean, if, if you are not a personal brand, and what does it mean, actually? Again, this big term and people, mm, I need to build a brand. I'm not McDonald's, yeah. Starbucks. We're not talking about it. We're yes. talking about being consistent in the message that you put out there and being authentic and your true self. And that means you have to know who you are. And I wrote another book about that, of course. Um, <laughs> but there is, is you need to figure out who you are, what's important to you, what are your values? Because, I mean, again, these personal values and business values, they overlap, especially if you're a solopreneur, they're probably even the same, apart from maybe one or two that are more important business like professionalism that are not so important in your private life um, but you need to figure all that out once you know this 
figure out your tone of voice. What kind of words do you actually use when you communicate? What's wor what words don't you use when you want to communicate? And that's for everything. That's when you're talking to people. That's when you're a guest on a podcast. That's in everything you write in your blog or on social media, whatever you want to do in your newsletter. Make sure you align that with that because people don't know who you are. People don't know how you work. People don't know what you stand for and what's important for you. So you have to tell them with everything that you do. And then there comes this visual component in there. So that's all the underlying things that you need to prepare. And then you, you put the visual identity, they call that together, where you need a consistency again, because they want that you want that they see something that you put on social media and just by the visual that you're having, they connect it with you. So if every post looks different and you use different colors and the different font and a different message everywhere, then it's confusing for people and you can't build up this reputation and this loyalty of people as well. Um, so these are just some of the benefits of building a brand. But building a brand, um, let me tell you, happens with or without you because people will make up an opinion about you. People will talk about you in a specific way, will feel about you in a specific way, even if you don't put something out there. So I would say build your personal brand so that people say what you want them to say about you rather than they making something up. Great advice, I would say. Now, what does your take or what's your opinion on, you know, some of the, how, how marketing is, wh where is it going? What are some of the trends what you are seeing? Um, mm -hmm. You know, especially I, because I focus in my show on startups and even small, medium businesses uh, and entrepreneurs, of course. So mm -hmm. where are things heading? Um, well, I think things are heading into two ways because, of course, of artificial intelligence. Um, there's a lot of development in there and it can make it much easier for people to, to put things out there, let's say. And everyone can do everything. Yeah? Even people that weren't good writers, maybe they use now ChatGPT to write something. And that's okay and there's nothing wrong with that. The thing that doesn't work if you just go by that is that you will not create your brand if you don't know how to use it correctly and to use your tone of voice and things like that. So I think there will be a bit of a, a mixture of um, people just don't know properly how to use it and just think, oh, that's great. I don't have to worry about that anymore. And things go out and again, wasting probably a lot of money and time without properly thinking about things um, versus, okay, we want to humanize things. We want to humanize technology and be still human in our marketing. Um, so that's the other end. And how do we use also the technologies? Doesn't mean we don't use this technology, but we need to still be authentic and still be ourselves. And that fight for that kind of end. And then there's these ones that, well, I don't know. I just use it and I, I don't care too much, but don't probably see too many results. Um, so I think, People will do much more because it becomes easier. Um, and that means more blog posts, LinkedIn articles, a LinkedIn newsletter, and, and writing books maybe. Yeah? I mean, so many people have written already books with, uh, with artificial intelligence. Again, that's okay. And I mean, I'm not here to discuss any um, intellectual property or anything like that for now. Um, however, I think there will be a flood more of things going out. Um, and so it becomes even more important to be authentic and 
personal to get through. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, I liked your approach um, about you know, there's nothing wrong of using the technology. I use it. You know, I don't hide it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, the trick here, and you touch base on it, is you need to know how to use it, and you need to know how to leverage it. It's not like just you know. Uh, just to give you guys a hint, so if you're listening or watching, I don't go to ChatGPT and say, hey, write me a LinkedIn post uh, that goes viral. Because if I say something like this, it's going to give me something, no sense. Or for example, I don't go and say, uh, write me a blog post about uh, why startups should have mentors. I, I need to give some context, right? And uh, yes. we discussed this before. So, uh, and it's a tool. Similar to, you know, like uh, the computer is a tool, your smartphone is a tool, you know, like, uh, and it's uh, becoming a tool. Uh, and from marketing perspective, again, and this is to your point, Steve, like you need, you need the mind always, right? So to, to, to make the thing work. So if you use it just for the sake of using it, you will not get probably good results. So it's all yeah. about I knowing think how to use it. Garbage in, garbage out. <laughs> so if you put garbage in, you get garbage out. If you put good stuff in, you get good stuff out. Good one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. hundred percent. Now let's move, you know, to, to, to the final part. And, you know, this is something I care about a lot. Um, you know, I was talking uh, in previous episode to, to, to uh, Joe uh, from Australia and we touched this on it, but not from that perspective. But, you know, I mentioned that I believe this is something important. And it's, you know, the health and well-being. So by nature, uh, entrepreneurs, um, they are hyper. Uh, they worry a lot. Uh, they have a lot of things to you know, do at the same time. So what do you recommend, you know, for their health and well-being in general? And any also hints, you know, that you, you can give to us today? Yes, of course. <laughs> I think also to... Really briefly, I mean, again, I can talk about this an hour, but to briefly share my story, why this is is a third pillar that I took in, um, because I was close to a burnout. I was also a few years back, that was. I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Um, and all of this made me really reprioritize everything in my life and reprioritize life, actually, rather than work. And I was working so much. Now, long story short, um, it turned out not to be a brain tumor, but three months in, that took um, to find out um, that it wasn't. Um, and it still shook up my world. And I really thank the universe that it did um, because I, I have achieved a very good life, um, work-life balance for myself. Um, there's a few things that I would say, and it actually led me to... to um, to my search for happiness in life. And again, to another book, The Happiness Formula, where I, I put the, all these learnings in as well. Um, but so the key things is um, for me, for, for well-being, let's say, the pillars, if you wanted to say. Um, yeah. And mindfulness is a great tool, obviously, mindfulness and, and start getting meditating and things like that. But if we talk about some pillars, um, one thing is find out what happiness means to you. Do more things that make you happy. Um, and it doesn't mean joy. There's a difference between joy and happiness. So joy is more a fleeting experience in a thing. Happiness is a more a foundational overall contentment in life. Okay. So find out more about what makes you happy and do more of it and do less of the things that don't make you happy. 
set boundaries for yourself and for others is another thing I think that plays a massive role in your health and well-being. Being able to say no, which a lot of people don't do, especially in the first year because they are afraid of missing out. So, and that is not only works or clients that are difficult to work with and you, you, oh, you get through that. It also means no to some marketing activities. You don't have to do it all at once. It, it means saying no to um, not doing all the tasks if you don't have to have that not to do list. Um, create healthy habits and get rid of bad habits would be another pillar in my um, opinion. And healthy habit means healthy food, having maybe a morning routine, do some meditation, do some exercise, but all in a balanced way because you don't want to cram too much in uh, because that way you get stressed and overwhelmed again. Um, another thing is uh, gratitude. I mean, there's so much science behind that gratitude really works. I would say start with a gratitude journal where you write down three things you're grateful for that day in the morning or in the evening, and it sets the tone for the day or you finish the day on a good note. Um, kindness has been shown to be a really good um, contributor to your overall health and well-being. So being kind to yourself, again, saying no, doing good things for yourself, but also being kind to others. Um, and then investing into experiences rather than investing into things uh, has been shown to increase your happiness and to um, increase your overall mental well-being um, because you ex you create long-lasting experiences rather than just buying a new shiny thing that you then forget about and it, that effect rubs off quite um, fast. And then the last one would be social connections. So do things with others, share your experiences with others, um, and just uh, help others with kindness. Uh, yeah. So these would be, yeah. as let's say. <laughs> That, you know, you, you cover it all, Christine, I would say, and uh, these things are, at least I can say from my perspective, majority of them are tested and I can guarantee you guys the results of it, especially, you know, the mindfulness and gratitude, mm. um, you know, um, I started late, I know, but that there's nothing. I, never too I late. Get, never too late. Yeah, I get to know about this, uh, you know, late, <laughs> that it's never too late, actually. Um, and it's, it's a, you know, like, uh, it put you in a better position, especially if I'm talking to entrepreneurs and you know, just sharing my experience, if you're about to have a big decision or maybe, uh, you're passing tough times, nothing can, you know, at least for me, you know, can, can beat what mindfulness did. So it was very helpful for me to take some major decisions. Yeah, and then, you know, ch changing, you know, the way I, I look at uh, life and the universe and all these things. So, guys, don't, you know, I know like you are maybe, you know, if you are like younger than me, you are now excited, you have this idea, but slow down because you need this. You need to avoid burnouts, same as yeah. uh, what Christine mentioned. You don't need to be in trouble. You need to be healthy, actually. You need to be healthy so you can, um, you know, excel in in whatever you're trying to build, whether it's a business, let's say small, big, startup, solopreneur, whatever you are trying to do. So you, you need you need this to be healthy. You need also this to be healthy. So, yes, um, exactly. Yeah. So uh, amazing insights, uh, Christine. And, you know, like I, I love when I see, you know, people have this combination of knowledge and they share it. So you shared that with us today. 
Now, what is your, you know, if, if you want to advise younger entrepreneurs or startup founders, what you would tell them? Um, well, do your homework before you start, but start before you're ready. <laughs> so the two things that we already mentioned, um, and do it for as long as you enjoy it. If you don't enjoy it anymore, you will start to burn out um, and you will start being less motivated and your business will fail. So do it for as long as you enjoy it. And then it's never too late or never wrong to change an idea, let go of an idea and start a new. And that's what I also do with mine. I say, I do this for as long as I like it. Who knows? At some point, maybe I say, I don't like it anymore and I do something else. And I Which think is completely fine. Yes. Right. Exactly. People sometimes think, no, I have this now. Do this for the rest of my life. No, you don't. It's your life. You decide. And these days it's the easiest ever possible to change what you're doing. Yeah, because, you know, and just to, to agree with you here, Christine, like, guys, think about it. We, we always evolve in our lives. So, um, you know, you are not the same when you were like two years old. You are not the same when you were 10. You're not the same when you are 15, you know, and all this. So it's normal. And because, you know, every phase of life comes with its own, I would say, you know, passions that you have or uh, purpose that you think about. Of course, you know, from my experience, when you reach certain age, you know, of course, things start to more stabilize and you know more what you yeah. need. Yeah. But keep you know more what you want and what you don't want. Very yeah. Important. So keep experiencing. And this is what I think I, I, I love what you said, Christine. So keep experiencing until you find really, you know, your real passion. because. And I'm saying this to, to uh, maybe it's very, very younger generations who are still maybe in college or even in school. And I know what you are thinking because I was there before. You say, okay, I want to do this. And you find out, you know what? You work in it two years, three years, and you say, it sucks. <laughs> I don't want to do it. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so Christine, where can people find more about you and your services? So I think uh, the easiest is to go creativestartupacademy.com, all one word, and you find all my links to my LinkedIn. Feel free to connect with me there and all my social media, but also obviously everything that I do. Lots of free free stuff as well. So I'm I'm about giving. I love giving and kindness. Uh, so there's, I developed lots of free things for people and resources to use. That's great. I'll put that in the links. And my very last Legacy question, I'm calling it now, <laughs> after 180, I think, I'm not sure, oh, it will be maybe 200. I'm not sure what's the number of this episode will be, but <laughs> anyway, um, is there anything that you wished I asked you and how you would answer? No, <laughs> I think we covered pretty much everything. No, 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 this, uh, there's, uh, there's so many things I could talk about and I can say, oh, you can ask me about this and that, but I, I absolutely enjoyed that conversation. So no. Same nothing. here. By the way, one of my guests, he answered very smartly. He said, you ask everything. Um, but you know, if, is there anything else? Let's do another episode. I said, yeah, of course. Let's do it. <laughs> it was a very, very nice uh, answer, you know, and by the way, people think, you know, that I do this to you know, to put pressure or to, to make it like exciting. No, no, no. It's just like a way to just finish where we, me and the guests, we, we, we love together. I, I really enjoyed today's conversation. I think Christine, you shared a lot of lights on the three pillars that you cover 
about starting, about marketing. And, you know, for me, the, it's recently I'm talking more about it and people asking mm-hmm. why, why, why well-being, mental health in a show called the CTO show? And I said, guys, it doesn't matter. Like, entrepreneurs, yeah, and technical people, specifically technical people. I mean, people who work in technology in startups, they want more of this. And we've seen last year what happened with the layoffs. And unfortunately, it's still happening. So we, we need to, to get to this and we need to educate people on be being, being prepared for such situations and not to find out all of a sudden, oh, okay, you know, like we, we have all these issues. Get prepared, guys. And this is what all the show is about, is to cover anything related to startups, entrepreneurs, and of course, technology in general. And this is why I'm bringing, you know, more and more thought leaders like the scene who can cover these topics because I don't have that experience same as she has. So I hope you find it, uh, you know, useful and uh, I hope you would enjoy it also as well. So as usual, this is how I end my episodes. If you have any question, any feedback about this episode or the show engine, don't hesitate. Reach out to me. You find you can reach me by email. You can reach me by all my social media handles. Mainly LinkedIn is where I am. And you can see it here in the frame. And if you are interested to be a guest on the show, same as he was guest today, don't be shy. My guests are like global from all over the place uh, around the globe. So time zones is not a difference really. You know, I record with people who are on the west coast in the u.s i record with people who are in new zealand so and i'm in the middle luckily i can afford this because i'm in dubai so don't hesitate if you want to reach out if you have a inspiring story you have inspiring technology you have anything related you know to as i was saying to entrepreneurship startups and uh, the tech reach out to me i would love to hear that from you and spread it across the world and as usual i hope you enjoyed thank you very much and See you again in the next episode. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Hit that subscribe button. Share the show with your tech-savvy friends and fellow entrepreneurs. And leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Your support means the world to us.